Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Our sermon text for this morning's meditation is our gospel lesson for this Sunday, recorded for us in the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 18th chapter, beginning at the 21st verse. I invite you to please rise for, the, for this reading. Then Peter came up and asked Jesus, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother when he sins against me? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you as many as seventy-seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle them, a man who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. Because the man was not able to pay the debt, his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, children, and all that he owned to repay the debt. Then the servant fell down on his knees in front of him, saying, Master, be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. The master of that servant had pity on him, released him, and forgave him the debt. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. He grabbed him and began choking him, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and begged him, saying, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and threw the man into prison until he could pay back what he owed. When his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were very distressed. They went and reported to their master everything that had taken place. Then his master called them in and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt when you begged me to. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? His master was angry and handed him over to the jailers until he could pay back everything he owed. This is what my heavenly Father will also do to you unless each one of you forgives his brother from his heart. Lord, these are your words and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. And you may be seated. Dear fellow redeemed, in our household, we have the practice of requiring that our children apologize and forgive each other. Quite often, the scenario happens where we have one boy coming up and saying, Mom, Kedron hit me. Kedron, say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Calvary, say you forgive him. I forgive you. Happens quite frequently in our household. And as, as much as we try to instill in our kids that idea of repentance and forgiveness, I think about how hard it is for me as a parent at times to do the same thing for my own sons. How difficult when they have wronged me, when they've gone against something that I've said, when maybe they've wrecked my things. Yes, I demand that they say they're sorry, but sometimes I must admit that I am reluctant to forgive wanting to withhold that forgiveness, maybe wanting them to realize how bad they've hurt me and to maybe wonder if they're actually forgiven for a while to suffer themselves. This, of course, is just a microcosm of our world. We think about the many other relations that we have far beyond our own children Relations we have with our spouse, with other family members, with friends, with co-workers, neighbors, and so many other people in our life. 
And think of the many times that we are wronged, we are hurt, and how difficult it can be to say, I forgive you. But that's what God requires in our lesson for today, isn't it? In fact, Jesus goes on to say, after he describes this person being thrown into prison, thrown to the jailers, he says, this is what my heavenly Father will also do to you unless each one of you forgives his brother from his heart. But how can we possibly even begin to forgive in that way, to forgive the way that God expects us to forgive? Jesus gives us the answer in our lesson for today as we take up the theme that God's forgiveness motivates our own. I want you to think about your own debt. How much debt do you have? Probably for many adults here, it's quite a bit. If you add up your student loans, if you add up the debt you might have on your cars or on your house or on your credit cards or maybe other sources, how much debt do you have? It's been said that today the average American household has $137,000 worth of personal debt. If you add all of that up, it's over $14 billion. 14, or 14 trillion, excuse me, 14 trillion dollars of personal debt. It's quite a bit. How will that ever be repaid? And that's not even including our national debt, which as of August was over 26 and a half trillion dollars. It's been said if you divide that debt according to every citizen of the United States, each person, every man, woman, and child would owe 81,000 dollars apiece in order to pay off our national debt. It's an incredible debt. It's an impossible debt. And I know especially concerning the national debt, many people wonder, is it ever going to be paid off? Well, the man that we see in our lesson for today owes an impossible debt. It's been estimated by many scholars that the amount that he owes is well over $10 million in in today's money. Think about that, owing $10 million. Could you ever pay that back? Yet this debt is one that's still accruing, still acquiring more and more and more. Of course, this debt is a picture of the debt one owes to God concerning his sin. Now, when it comes to sin, it's easy for us to maybe see the sins of other people and to point out their faults And to see where they have done wrong, where they have gone against God and his word. But what about our own debt of sin? How high is that amount? It's good for us to realize that God doesn't simply require of us to be good when it comes to our actions toward other people, but even our words, even our thoughts. God doesn't simply say, you shall not steal. But he also says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, or his wife, or his workers, or animals, or anything that belongs to him. God does not simply say, you shall not commit adultery, but it also says, whoever looks at a woman with lust has committed adultery with her in his heart. God does not simply say, you shall not kill, but he also says, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. As we see God's standard when it comes to his law is incredibly high, As Jesus says elsewhere, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And when we realize our own sins put up against that standard, we see that our debt is tremendous. 
millions upon millions of, of sins that we commit so frequently in our own lives and even times when we, we've tried to control our actions, tried to not do the things that we know that are wrong, but we keep on doing them and the debt keeps piling up higher and higher and higher. If you ever have seen a, a ticker of our national debt, they have these things available online where you can see how much debt our country is acquiring every day, every hour, every minute, every second, and it's just spiraling out of control. More and more and more debt is added every moment. Isn't that the way it is really with our sin? Think about all that debt of sin that we have before God. God tells us in his word for today that he forgives. He forgives that tremendous debt of this individual, that huge amount. God's really showing us the way in which he forgives our tremendous amount of sins that we have committed, sins that we could in no way possibly repay, that debt forgiven by God completely. We might wonder, though, how in the world could God possibly do this? How could this master be so generous when it came to this servant and to forgive and cancel all that debt that he owed? Well, it really comes down to the master himself, to his own goodness, to his own mercy and compassion that he shows on this individual. It's a picture, of course, of our God and his mercy and compassion toward sinners like you and me, because of his goodness, because of his grace, he has shown mercy to us. And it's incredible, if you look at our lesson for today, as Jesus gives us this illustration of this servant and this master, he's really showing us that that master gives him far more than what the servant asked. The servant pleaded with him, give me more time, right? The master knows it's impossible to repay, and so he cancels the entire debt. So to our God, God doesn't say, okay, I'll give you more time. Perhaps in a place called purgatory, after you die, there then you'll pay off your sins and you'll suffer for thousands or tens of thousands of years, and then maybe, just maybe, I will forgive you and let you go to heaven. No, he cancels the debt completely, entirely. It's gone never having to be repaid. Imagine in your own life if the people that you owed money to, the bank or other creditors, canceled your debt. Imagine that your mortgage was canceled or your student loans or your car payments. Imagine all of that was canceled. What freedom we would have in our own lives What freedom to have that burden of debt taken off of us. How would it also change us as well? We don't really see a a change in our lesson for today. For this man that was forgiven a tremendous amount of debt, as he goes out and he finds a fellow servant of his who owes him money, and he demands that that individual pay him back what he owed, even though it was just a fraction of the amount what he had owed to the master, that amount that had been forgiven. But the servants recognize something's wrong here. 
this servant, this fellow servant of ours, he's just been forgiven a huge amount of debt. How can he act so cruelly to his fellow man and refuse to forgive him? If we had a, a huge financial debt of ours canceled, hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe more, would we act differently? Would we come to our neighbor who owes us a hundred bucks and, and demand that he repay? I hope we'd act differently. That mercy and grace that that other person showed to us, that that would actually change us and change our own hearts and our attitudes toward each other, that we would act with similar mercy and pity on someone else. And how difficult that is to do. I think of the, the change that God really describes in each one of us that takes place as we are Christians, as we come to know our Savior. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul describes this change. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. He describes us as new and different people, knowing Jesus Christ is our Savior. And Jesus in John chapter 15 describes us in this way. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him is the one who bears much fruit. Because without me you can do nothing. He describes Christians as those that are branches connected to the vine. And being connected to the vine, we produce good works, fruits of faith. It's the way God describes us as Christians, having known Jesus and the forgiveness that he gives us, it changes us. It inspires good works in our own lives, especially good, good works of forgiveness toward our fellow man. And really, failing to forgive is a sign of unbelief, or at least weakness in the faith, not really fully believing and fathoming God's forgiveness that he's shown to us. I want you to think about your own life. Is there anybody today that you can think of that you hold a grudge against? Maybe it's someone that's hurt you deeply. Maybe it's a spouse that has told you that they're going to change, that they're going to do something different, but they've hurt you for the one billionth time, it seems. Maybe it's a child who promised that they'd never do it again, but they keep on again and again and again. Maybe it's an alcoholic or a drug addict in your life that's said they're going to change, but they keep going back to their addiction. Maybe it's more severe. Maybe you've experienced physical abuse. Maybe at the hand of a loved one. Maybe they've said, I'm sorry, but it's happened again and again. Or maybe we can imagine perhaps something even worse. A loved one of ours taken away from us because of something someone else has done to them. How can we possibly ever forgive. And one thing I'd like to note for you, especially when it comes to physical abuse, 
is that God certainly wants us to protect human life. And if we ever are in danger, God would have us protect our lives and the lives of our children and, and to, to take us away from that, that threat there. That's certainly appropriate for us to protect ourselves and our children from abuse. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't forgive. In fact, God gives no exceptions. You know, we in our own lives often want to make exceptions like Peter maybe in our lesson for today and say, Lord, certainly there's a limit to the forgiveness that I should show. If somebody has hurt me so terribly, if somebody has done it so many times, isn't there a limit, God? God tells us in his word, no. As many times as they sin against you, when they come to you, when they repent, when they say they're sorry, forgive, 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 forgive. But how can I possibly do that, Lord? God would ultimately have us look to the cross. You know, there's a, an incredible passage in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, that says this. God erased the record of our debt brought against us by his legal demands. This record stood against us, but he took it away by nailing it to the cross. It's an incredible passage because it talks about our record and our debt of sin that we owed to God to maybe imagine it like a long list on a piece of paper. All of those sins listed there. And it describes what God did, that God nailed that list of sins to the cross. And God took away that debt of sin that we had. How? By the other thing that was nailed to the cross. By his son, Jesus Christ, who was also nailed to the tree along with our sins, along with our debt, taken away by Christ, nailed there for us. Back in ancient times, when Greek was the common language of the world, it was said that if someone had a bill, and if that bill was paid, that there was a certain word that would be written on the bottom of the bill when it was paid. Maybe we can think about for ourselves in our own society today. If we have a bill, quite often that word P-A-I-D, paid, is maybe stamped on the bottom of that bill once that payment has come in. Well, the word that was quite often used concerning those bills once payment was made was a Greek word, to telestai. It's very curious that that is the exact same word that Jesus spoke from the cross when he said, it is finished. What Jesus was saying was paid in full. The debt of sin is paid. Paid by my death, paid by my suffering for you on the cross. All of that list of sins that you have had, it's paid in full by me. And that forgiveness that God has given to each one of us ultimately motivates our own forgiveness toward each other concerning those smaller debts that they have against us. Back in 2018, there was a horrible story, horrible incident that took place in the Dallas, Texas area. There was a female police, police officer who was returning home late one night, and she was off duty. And as she came to her apartment that night, she found that the door was open and there was somebody inside. 
So she walked in, and she shot and killed the intruder. Well, she soon discovered a terrible accident that took place. She had mistakenly ascended an extra flight of stairs that evening and hadn't walked into her own apartment, but into the apartment of the man who had lived in the apartment above her. And she shot that man in cold blood, thinking that he was an intruder, though he had done nothing wrong, though he was just in his own apartment. The case went to court just last year, 2019, and she was found guilty. During her sentencing, the family was permitted to come up and really to lay out why they thought she should get really perhaps extra punishment for this crime she had committed. Many of the family members got up and said things like, I wish you were dead because of how much you had stolen from us, taking our loved one. But the victim's brother got up that day and said something incredible. He said, I forgive you. How could somebody do that? How could somebody forgive someone that had killed their own brother in cold blood? He'd done nothing wrong. Well, the young man went on to explain how. He said that he was a Christian. He said that he knew God's forgiveness in Christ. And in fact, he went on and said that he wished this woman who had taken so much from him and from his family she not have to be punished for this. But the thing that he did wish is that she knew that same Savior, Jesus Christ. This Jesus' forgiveness for all of our debt of sin motivates us to forgive each other. When we really think of how long that list is, how many sins we have committed in this life and continue to commit, and when we think about the grace of God and sending Jesus Christ to spill out his blood on the cross, though he was innocent, to suffer and die, the fires of hell for us and for our sin, it motivates us to act in a similar way toward each other. Yes, if there is someone today that you hold a grudge against, I'd ask you to turn to God in prayer. To pray that, that God open your heart. That God help you return again to the cross and to see the tremendous debt that has been canceled because of Christ and because of your sin. May that motivate you to forgive as you have been forgiven through Jesus Christ, your Savior. Amen. I invite the congregation to please rise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.